to us last show Ilya in the second Adelina. hour <laughs> remember their second hour uh-huh. yeah. yeah that was a really excellent conversation it was yeah we talked about sasquatch and communication connections and, uh-huh. and um the lemurians. lemurians and nature and how it talks and how it agrees or disagrees and all these things um yeah like dark human reality constructs mm-hmm. and uh those type of things. Yeah, the second hour was awesome. Yeah, we wanted to talk more about Sasquatch and Lemuria. Because, I mean, in a, in a way, in a very big way, I guess, you can separate Normie from not Normie if they even know what Sasquatch and Lemuria might mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? And aliens. <laughs> oh, yeah, and aliens too? Mm-hmm. Oh, if you have aliens, Lemurians, and Sasquatch in your conversation... As a and the other person is, and the other person is going, oh yeah, right, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. wondering about the blah blah blahs about too. the blahs too. <laughs> then you know you're talking to the right person. Yes, that, that'll definitely. be a hint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah. funny. That's really funny. What do you want to talk about this go round? I thought we could talk about something that's been going around the podcast circles mm, quite a lot. That? Um, you mentioned a couple of programs, but we'd also watched, listened to one some months ago as well, uh-huh. which is the theory that our society and our civilizations get reset every 100 or 200 years or something like that. Oh, oh yeah, the Tartaria thing, maybe. Yeah. I don't even, I'm not quite sure what the Tartaria is. Uh, maybe that was a name that they're using for the prior civilization. Is that kind of the idea? Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not familiar with Tartaria, but I am familiar with the concept of the, um, the global, global reset. reset and also the, the, how they use these, uh, national, international fairs. Um, they have a name, I can't remember. World fair. The world fairs to tell people, okay, this is the civilization we're having now, type uh-huh. thing, right? <laughs> they reprogram the society. And some people have made good, I mean, you have mentioned many times how you've seen books from the 1800s talking about the exact same thing that they're talking about today. Yeah. Like the salmon uh, mm-hmm. coverts, you culverts know, and, and cutting drainage the, and cutting of the, the trees water gets and, muddy mm-hmm. and then the salmon can't spawn and then it's like brand new news again in 1950, 60, 70. Yeah, yeah. And like it's, conveniently forgotten, so you keep cutting the trees, I guess. Right, right. So it feels like the... And the good point is, when a child is born, we infuse that child with accept, accepted memories, right? Mm-hmm. But there's nothing really that we can prove about the accepted history of the planet. 
It's sort of like... Except for what's in the books, right? I mean, that's the proof, what's mm -hmm. in the books. But who wrote those books? Right. What's the publisher? Because mm -hmm. the publisher decides what's getting printed, at least in the past, right? Yeah, exactly. So whoever owns the publisher, in a sense, owns the decision on what is published. Mm -hmm. And the couple of um, podcasts you mentioned before, one of them is Freeman and the other one was Fireside Chat, I think. Yeah, but I didn't listen to that one yet. Oh, okay. But so, I heard one of our community members talking about it. They were talking about how the moment that we're going through what we call the split um the larger society will call a reset and even on the news they call it the great reset right don't they right yeah that that might be an interesting way of looking at it yeah what we call the split uh the uh, light dark we'll call a great reset mm -hmm. yeah, pretty interesting yeah that could be true that sort yeah. of rings a bell do you remember when we were in england together one of the one of the stores had this um, bread, bread bowl that you put stew into. Mm -hmm. And we went to the upstairs and it was really like, it was a bill for small people. Yes. <laughs> like the, the stairs are narrow, the chairs are small, the windows are small. It's like min yeah. miniature people. The doorways. Yeah, doorways we, are I mean, we're not, we're not, you were not tall, tall we're but short, I kind of felt but... like that window door can't be any shorter <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. else I'm going to hit it. <clears throat> And then we went down into the basement of it, and in the basement they had a little museum. Oh, the and in the museum, you had to go even further down one more story to get to where the original store was located. That was at street level. Basically, yeah. now we're talking two stories underground. Mm -hmm. That was ground level. Yeah. And um, it was dug out, and they had been doing the same thing, a bread bowl with some stew in it. The Since same bread bowl, same recipe. Whenever, yeah. million to the Romans, the Roman soldiers would come and get some bread and <laughs> some stew or whatever. But when I was looking at that, I was I was looking at that and was thinking, now how is it possible for it to be two stories down and be street level? The whole, everything's two stories deep of mud since then. Mm -hmm. And Rome itself, remember we went to we a went dig? to Rome, yeah, yeah. The and dig was, was two uh, stories down. Yeah, yeah, it was two stories down too, of mud. Yeah, so there was this uh, concept of a mud flood yeah. or a liquefaction of the ground and everything sank into it, mm -hmm. sank down anyway. And so uh, let's just say, for instance, it did happen. How would you prove it? How would you truth it? How would you even find out? Mm -hmm. And let's say uh, there's a hundred explanations such as, oh, it's by the river and it just flooded a whole bunch of times and over a few hundred years, the level of the street has risen because of the mud from the river. Which, I've seen floods, and they definitely do leave stuff behind, but, you know, if it floods and you go back to work, you clean the mud out. You don't, like, mm. you don't, like, leave the mud and then just keep working. Good point. That's a good point. And, and it this, wasn't that distance of a history, really. Not so far back that no. it's inconceivable. It still had the stove there, oven there. They had to mm -hmm. build a new oven higher. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yep. But there isn't an oral history or written history of uh, how it got to be that. There's only the speculation that it's probably from floods, yeah. Because I don't remember them reading and saying, you know, in 1810, we had such a massive flood, we just had to build on top of our old spot. No, they didn't say that. No. Yeah, there's no concept. There's no memory of how that happened. 
They're just as uh, digging down and, hey, look, we still have... There's the same place here we used to use, remember? Yeah. No, I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> and so, yeah, the same in Rome, digging out that stuff. Uh, same in Stonehenge and places like that, wasn't it? Dug out to find an Easter Island, remember? They only had the, like, tops of that were showing, and they dug out, and then they found they were super-duper tall. Yeah, yeah, Easter Island for sure. I don't know about Stonehenge. I think that was actually still on the surface. Hmm. I don't know if they had to dig it out. I, I, can't, I don't remember. Maybe. And in Egypt. But and, definitely not 20 feet. <laughs> yeah. And in Egypt, you know, all of the stuff is buried under sand or whatever. Mm. Um, and I suppose the pyramids stick out, you know, but they could go underground more too. They could, yeah. When you start looking, it's like many of the things in our reality, when you start looking at, mm, like going to the hospital and medicine, you go like, Wait a minute. Some of these things are weird. Like what? In medicine? Mm -hmm. Well, for instance, that the uh, the treatment of the symptoms isn't handling the problem. It's just treating the symptoms of the problem. And when you realize that the treatment of the symptoms of the problem isn't actually dealing with the problem, you know, well, why is it based on treatment of symptoms, this medicine? Right, right. It's very, very non-secular. It, yeah, yeah, it starts it you on a path sense. of looking at, well, what's going on here? And so when you go in the what's going on here, you start opening up the rabbit hole, as I like to call it, and you find there are a lot of contradictions in what you would think would be the right thing to do. Mm. And you would you assume, and that's it, you assume the process of science, the process of medicine was uh, based on, hey, I did this, and then it made them better, and they stayed better. But you find that isn't actually true. Mm. I mean, even in most recent times, the treatment for something was just the treatment that the old guys said, that's what you do. And there wasn't even a follow-up, does it actually work? That didn't even exist. <laughs> and when the observation is made, it's like, hey, you know, that's not actually helping. It's like, well, that's how we always do it. <laughs> that kind of a defense. I remember mm. reading it or listening to... Uh, Another podcast, this was the Freakonomics. Mm. They had a three-part series on the medical system. And they're as normie as you get, you know, right. economists from they Chicago. Are, yeah, yeah. But even are. they were like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> when they were just exploring the average body temperature. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember right? that one, yeah. And then they found out how the average body temperature was determined. Right, right. And they, they, they when they, they looked at it, were like, are you kidding me? You can't be, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And if you're not that temperature, something wrong with you. Right. When, <laughs> when, <they're>, when <laughs> yeah. it, a one person's temperature changes throughout the day and night continuously, quite a few degrees as well, as a normal. As a normal, and often people have a set average range mm -hmm. that and is very uh, different, or different than a normal temperature. Mm -hmm. But when you go get your temperature taken and it's XYZ, then the story is XYZ, so you just go with the story. Mm-hmm. Well, similar to this, it's like, uh, I have noticed too, around the world, there are these massive constructions that are, you know, compared to the normal buildings, like the barns and the places where the cows go and the stables and the place where the hay stays dry, you know, they're inconceivably different like uh, do you have an example like cathedrals cathedrals are a pretty good example you know mm -hmm. 
most of the houses of the time probably were what wood or stone, right? Yeah, some mud. <laughs> stacked fence with the wood, with mud and hay mixed together and the chinks to stop the wind to get through. Mm-hmm. But then you go to a cathedral and it's a, uh, a massive energy machine with precision and ways and, and areas that you even now only are just like barely conceiving and discovering. Mm-hmm. But they obviously had to have experience and expertise in the energy construction and the angle and the position, all kinds of things. You know, you had to understand it to the nth degree in order to even begin planning and building it. Yep. And there's a there's a leap of some kind of something that goes from a stacked stones in the field to make a fence and a house to a cathedral, you know, that's not <laughs> even close. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's extremely different. I never thought of it that way. It's not even the scale. The scale yeah. is part of it, but it's yeah. only a tiny part of it. It's that scale and design. Mm-hmm. And the solidity of it and the permanency of it as well, because you could say, oh, well, today we might be able to construct one of those, but nothing modern really reflects what that is. Mm-hmm. Not to the scale. No, the, not the scale or the permanency of it. I don't even think about the organs inside of it. The, the organ is a part of a part of the instrument, right? Yeah. The musical instrument plays the cathedral in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. With cymatics and sound tech, technology and emotion and humans emotion and the collection of that and the directional transmission of that or mm-hmm. the collection and point of that i mean there's a there's a lot of tech that we don't even have the book of <laughs> well i'm sure there is a book of but well it's not widely disseminated right yeah well a lot of people have been looking at that uh, like sacred geometry of the cathedrals around the world and everything but i think this is the first time i've seen it linked to a reset Mm-hmm. Or they thought that the there used to be a very advanced civilization for humans, um, like even in like fourteen hundreds or sixteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds, that was um, technologically more advanced than what we know now, mm-hmm. and that is interesting to me. What's left over? What what we can experience? What we can see? It's almost like today's society we measure it really by human comfort um and i think also the digital technology mm-hmm. and the radio waves the microwaves the satellites and that type of stuff uh but it's not i mean it doesn't reflect the physicality of the technology of a cathedral for example and also the the level of energy that it pulls in to some and then directs it somewhere. And um, the other part of that is, um, as we move forward, it's like the the attempt I would say attempt of the population to encompass or to develop these types of technologies as a spontaneous thing that happens all over the world is curtailed. And like, for example, 
we talked about Lemurians earlier, I know that they're a crystal-based society, that most of their technology is crystal-based. By crystals, mm-hmm. I mean like quartz mainly, but other crystals as well that are used in their technology to do certain things, ex- including keeping themselves invisible to us. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we built a portal with the attempt of moving in and out of those realities, our reality and their reality. And we've had some sort of experiential telepathy communications in that portal, but we haven't had a physical connection where one of them steps through or we step through there. You know? Or we hear the crack or yeah. anything right. physical. Mm-hmm. And one of the items, when I look at it energetically, feels to me like it's... Our our concept of the technology is not quite tuned in yet. It, it, it reminds me, in, to a large degree, of the uh, uh, airplane cults in the South Pacific Islands. Yes. <laughs> they would get, get spam and other chocolate and whatever treats from the airmen. Yeah. The Air Force would build a, a runway on the Pacific Island for refueling. Mm-hmm. And then the islanders, of course, would benefit from the... Uh, supplies, you know, west from a, a different planet, basically, the United States or whatever, England or wherever the airplanes would come from would land there and they'd always have, I mean, it's hard to grow a Snickers bar on a tree mm. or whatever, Spam or cans cans of beans or even beans for that matter. Mm-hmm. And then when the uh, war stuff was over and the airplanes went away, they would build replicas of the airplanes on the ground and clear a space on the ground for an airplane to see and maybe land <laughs> because it was like a like a duck bait. Yeah. And they would build uh, radio antennas out of bamboo yeah. and forest stuff to hopefully attract airplanes to land. Yeah. It's like we have the idea, but they we're like our materials are not quite right and it's not hooked up the way it's supposed to be. Right. It's like a toddler version yeah. of a portal in yeah. a way. Yeah, that's how it feels. Even though we listened and we created it according to intuitive scenes from a number of individuals. Mm -hmm. And one of our friends used a certain device that measures frequencies. And she said they're all very positive and strong. Mm -hmm. So we're doing something right. (laughs) We have, yeah, we have things right about it. But it's like we're, we're missing some of the critical components. I think so, yeah. Um, technology. So maybe if it's a crystal technology, we have our crystals there, but they're not aligned properly. Or maybe, yeah. We have the uh, structure generally right, but the materials are, you know, what we have available, which isn't what, what actually we should have it made of. It might mm. be stone, you know. Yeah, so from that perspective of memory, um it's like this side of the that split, the Lemurian split, mm-hmm. um, from the like that paradigm. The memory that we carry through to this moment is very limited, right? It's like it takes a generation, really, just one generation, to change the history of the world, uh, because you just teach all the new children something different. <laughs> yeah. And this is what we are seeing on the news right now, or in the, the, the uh, what I I don't watch them, but I've I've seen people 
talking about it. And I've also been in a store where there, there was a television playing with news or something. And you can see from that that they're rewriting history. They're redoing, like, the reality. They're re-scripting reality for people. So this great reset stuff is not so fantastic or out of the spectrum of what might be real. Yeah, the only thing that might change is the delivery mechanism, right? Well, one of the things to probably reflect on is that uh, you can imagine after what, what could be called catastrophe in a way, that the remainder of whoever's left after that are hungry for an answer. Or maybe they are just totally focused on maybe survival. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, it's hard to guess what they might, what the, what they might think, you know? Because mm -hmm. I, I can imagine in Nia Bay when uh, the last, we could call it a great reset happened with the smallpox type thing, which I'm not sure what it was, but it did definitely happen where all but a very small handful of the tribal members died, you know? Mm -hmm. And there weren't very many left, and they had to reset everything from 5, 10, 20 people, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so... A lot of the wisdoms were lost at that moment. I think a lot of the forest wisdom was lost. And the connection, I mean, the... The connection. The yeah. what happened, you're... You don't have too many people to argue with the story that you get. Mm -hmm. And the story you're given is X, Y, Z, so why would I question it? I can clearly see everybody died. Mm -hmm. But the how, well, how much digging do you want to do into it? <laughs> do you want to, like, let's move on and create a new something, not, uh, I don't know, figure out what happened? Or right, what? right. What do you think? Have you ever been through a situation where most everyone around you died and you're the one of the handful left? No. Can you can can you imagine? Well, not how really. It would be but reset, how you could make up anything. You put in an authority figure that tells everybody what happened, yeah. and the people who are left are in, invariably people who were not the leaders. I remember reading somewhere that when you the Europeans went to the Americas, the first target people in Africa as well. The first target people they would try to eliminate were the shamans and the wisdom keepers. Right, because they had access to the information mm -hmm. independently of another source. Right. And then they would ban and make it illegal to do any ceremony, which is another way to tap into the information. Right, and they also compromise them if they can. Yeah, by adding and Jesus and Mary prove to their, them. Prove their ideas wrong because it don't work, doesn't work against mm -hmm. this. It's yeah. like your doctors are useless against our whatever right right so undermine um undermine their wisdoms. legitimacy yeah and their wisdoms and their wisdoms and then generate and create new ones mm -hmm. and then that's the ones the kids get taught and within a few generations that's the only one to remember yeah something like that yeah but it's very easy for us to fall into the victim aggressor energy here is it? Yeah, because it's like, oh my gosh, look what it was done to the native people of Americas and to the other people around the world. And 
you know, it's very easy to fall into that what was done to us or to them kind of thing, energy. But we have to understand also that the split was something we all chose. <laughs> right, and right. Uh, yeah. And it's not like the split hadn't happened in the Americas before the Europeans arrived anyways. If you do a tiny little bit of scratching of history of the Americas, you'll find plus sacrifice and slavery and the elimination of whole villages and all sorts of stuff like that, which was the same history that was happening in Europe at the time. The same history and Africa and the East, you know, all over the world, the same history was happening. All these things were happening at the same time, which is odd, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like a reset. <laughs> but it was a choice of like dark paradigm by the human collective. So we're not anybody's victim. It's just a choice of experience. And what interests me is that everybody listening to this podcast has chosen a high frequency experience. So how does the great reset affect high frequency people when one of these resets happen? Right. And it could be that choice of split. So because we're in the light that paradigm, the only history we have is those that of the people who chose the light that paradigm at whatever time this reset happened. Right. In order to bring that about, there has to be, well, light dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It isn't a rainbows brings a light dark experience in. It's um, darkness into the light brings light dark in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a description with judgment and righteousness and everything else, but drop that and look at I was just trying to look at mechanism Mm -hmm. so exactly what you said now well I can imagine a mechanism of uh, liquefaction or mud flood or whatever description they might use where things sank into the ground that would include people I imagine Mm -hmm. and then there's not much left except for a new substrate bare substrate to start over with and the collections of people who are left are the ones who will bring in the new whatever paradigm it might be. And the way they bring it in is by, you know, writing what it is. <laughs> yeah. It was God who did it. And he was mad at you for X, Y, Z. You're all sinners and you need to this Y, Z. Whatever the story might be. Right. But what can we come up with that is in 1800s that would have a narrative that we could join in and have a collective amnesia of before. Mm. That's a tough one. Because it seems like too recent. It seems like we have written information that already goes through that period. But, of course, the control of that written information through that period is part of it. Because they did burn burn libraries and things, right? They did, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's like everything. <laughs> when you start digging, you start finding holes and things. Some of them are probably intentional, some of them are just because, and some of them are, and my best guess was this, and then that best guess got taken as fact, and then it got reported as fact, and then everybody just called it that. Mm-hmm. Just like Trump. What about Trump? <laughs> Remember, he's Jesus from Venus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said, he, he said that he was told by his people to say this phrase, and so he said it, even though he thought it was dumb. But everybody liked it, so he just kept saying it. And now he's identified. So now by he's the identified same. by it, and that's a thing that he is. But it's just a thing that he's been saying because mm-hmm. people like him saying it. Yeah. But then it, yeah, you know, he 
it takes on a life of its own, its own sentiency in a way, right? Yeah. That's always hilarious when I think about it because people are eager and willing and wanting to jump onto a thing that I, they can identify with. So when you create, in a sense, the conditions where they want to jump onto something and then you give it to them, then they jump onto it, lock, block, and sinker, or whatever they call it. Yeah, the that's true. The plus the the whole play of us versus them mm. is so so powerful, so powerful. That some other interesting things have been happening, and I think it has part of the split that we mentioned in our 2022 looking at 2022 call. Yeah. Um the the whole part of when I said, you know, you're going to see actors acting really weird. <laughs> yeah, that started happening so crazy. Isn't it though? It's really weird stuff, really strange strange stuff that they're doing. And to me it's like actors so at some point in the past they used to be the the ritual people, like, you know, you can see sometimes even now in tribes that you, you have the dances and you have the jewelry and the, the masks and the feathers and the beads and all these things and the sticks or whatever. So you do a dance and you do a ritual and it creates a field of magic. It creates mm -hmm. a field of potentiality where you can then create things for your village. Right. Like, go hunting a whale, and the whale gives itself, you know, all these type of things. And then that got translated into entertainment, and it got translated into, and suddenly these shamans and priests and priestesses became actors. And the whole ritual part of it became the actor doing a movie, entertainment, just entertainment. But it's not really pure entertainment, it's, it's a magical act. Right. Right. So if all of your priests and priestesses and the new, you know, like they they say, you know, America doesn't have a royal family, so they have the actors and actresses, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if they start acting like crazy people. Do you see the connection? Well, then the world is mad. Yeah, it becomes uh, dis discombobulated a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and and even and like unstable unstable and willing willing and able to transfer its attention to another yeah so shaman. right so these individuals who have given the authority away to that medium right because it's a natural tendency for humans to give authority away to the storytellers and to the ritual carrier carriers and you know, the stories that's how we learn a lot of stuff then when that becomes unstable and weird and really, really not something you can trust anymore, then you become afraid and vulnerable. I mean, look at the present precedent. Everybody knows it's a joke, but people still say, well, the precedent said blah, 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 yeah? Like that had weight. Yeah, yeah. But also knowing that, oh, wait, you know, the bunnies were pushing him around because he didn't know what he was doing. Oh, the Easter bunnies. Yeah, the Easter bunnies, you know? Because uh -huh. people dressed in Easter bunny costumes had to carry him this way and that because he didn't know what the hell he was doing. So that imagery is very powerful for a society, especially seen as we've been told for decades now that the, Ameri the President of the United States of America is the leader of the world. 
or the most powerful person on the planet, planet. and things like that, right? So we've been told this over and over again. Right. So, you know, the Trumpy boy, same, very polarizing character. Yeah. Like for some, the savior of Jesus from Venus. For others, the biggest clown ever born on the planet. And how could we ever have that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then equally so, the next one, also easily compromised. Very easily compromised. Very compromised when you look. If you look yeah. closer than just, uh, I don't know what, passing fancy close, mm-hmm. you find, oh my, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. And if you follow the uncomfortable, you get even more uncomfortable and you go like, oh wow, I can't even look that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Which is the undermining of the entire structure, right? right? And yeah. then the same thing with the next part in the American system, right? The Supreme Court. They are also... Um, an authority that is supposed to be unbiased and a check in the balances and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And then their their own information starts getting released secretly, with quote marks. You know, a decision that hasn't been made that's going to affect the entire country in a hugely polarized way. Mm-hmm. We'll just, uh, you know, leak it before we've decided <laughs> to make the tension even higher. Do you have an example of that? That's Roe versus Wade, the abortion thing. Oh, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Would you like to talk about it? Well, uh, they have a case in the Supreme Court, which if they decide one way, overturns a prior, prior decision allowing for abortion across the whole country or something. And if they drop that, then it's abortions are decided by each state, I believe. Mm. I'm not absolutely certain about the details of the... But decision, even... but the decisions of the Supreme Court are supposed to be uh, the supreme rule or supreme law of the land, something like that. It's the Constitution. The Supreme Court is the last check in the system. Mm. Something, something along the lines. So, the Senates and representatives generate the idea of a law, and the president. Uh, goes along or vetoes it one way or another. And if uh, it's passed by the President and the House and the Senate, everybody says, yeah, it's a law, Supreme Court can still take it and say, wait, that violates the Constitution or it violates this. And so it can't. it's not a just law and it's not to be followed. That mm. kind of a thing. Mm. I think that's generally the idea of the system. Mm. I could have it a little bit wrong, but that's how I understand it. And so the decisions that the Supreme Court makes are uh, the supreme rule because they're the interpretation of the document that the country is founded on, the Constitution and Declaration of Independence and things like that. So while they're making their decisions, they have um, draft, draft copies, draft versions of it as they're writing there. Each judge has their inputs in it, mm-hmm. and they pass around their draft ideas about their arguments to share amongst and bounce off of each other, and then comment with each other and it's a working document like your google document might Mm -hmm. be and at the end of it when they've all made their decision and all been talked to with each other then they release their decision not their arguments about it while it's Mm -hmm. going on part thing Mm -hmm. the meaning the reason being that if it's released before they've decided and it doesn't match what they've decided then how is the decision made Mm -hmm. is it based on public opinions is it based on 
politics is based on that's supposed to be outside that group system. Right. So in this case, at a very convenient time, the decision that the Supreme Court hadn't made yet was leaked, mm. which is the first time it's ever happened. Right. And it was extremely polarizing. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that's to polarize the the, the country yeah. or to do some other it's reason? It's to delegitimize the process that the Supreme Court goes through. It's like making hot dogs. You don't want to eat them when you figure out how to make them. So don't look at how they make them mm -hmm. if you want to keep eating them. Mm. Well, the Supreme Court is supposed to be uh, this thing. And then if you read the uh, draft things, it's like, oh, man, they're just like people. <laughs> <laughs> so it removes the magic. And it's a very polarizing decision in a sense that they were altering a past decision. Right. So, again, like the president being a bumbling bumblebee, mm -hmm. the Supreme Court is nothing more than a, uh, a process of flawed men and women deciding flawed men and women things with each other and then argue with each other about it isn't actually sacrosanct in some fashion, you know? Right. Like the building, the edifice, and the construct, the construct of it is something more mm. than the actual. It's a little emperor has no clothes thing, Wizard yeah. of Oz. Right, right. Well. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, the man behind the curtain. The man behind the curtain, yeah. yeah. So part of the Great Reset is undermining all of the institutions that hold the structure in place. And the structure... But people continue holding on to it like, for dear life, right? I right. Mean, nobody's put, taken away the president and put him in a you know, people's home. Nobody has, you know, questioned well, the, the authority of these people. The Great, the great Reset is a process that goes on it isn't like a today it's over mm. yet because they haven't had their big catastrophe yet they've only had the builds up and the breakdowns now the catastrophe occurs and after the catastrophe you can't depend on the institutions that will be blamed for bringing the catastrophe what so do you think the nature of the cath cat catastrophe is going to be what do you think the nature of that is going to be Ooh. it feels to me like a combination of things we haven't yet imagined, although we've guessed about aliens, and diseases coming from the aliens, remember? Yeah. And uh, ineffectual and helpless government in the face of it. Mm. And the only resolution being a world leadership not elected by fallible systems. Something like that. Could be. So you reckon it's going to be like a false flag thing, this disaster? Well, not no. The, when not we the say mud a planes. False, <laughs> not the what? Not the mud planes, the mud... Uh, mud flood? Mud floods. Well, I think that we have to acknowledge that false flag or not, it doesn't matter if it's a false flag or not. It, it, it still has the same effect of altering everything, right? False flags, I guess we talked about, we've, we've considered how they've been used in the past, and it's a general way of how do you get everyone's agreement? Right. And in this case, we need the agreements of light, dark, 
I want to continue that and the agreements of light I want to create a new reality mm-hmm. so um, in one sense one of the conversations I had this last week where we were Sasquatching was about um, telepathy mental telepathy and uh, the ability to deceive if everyone's um, experiential telepathy skill is enabled, amplified, or usable. Mm-hmm. If everyone's communicating in that fashion, the thought is is that it's going to be impossible to be lying because deception isn't a part of the process mm-hmm. because there's too much information present and it doesn't lend itself to lies, untruths. Right. Whether or not that's actually true is probably something worth looking at, but it's been thought that you know a lie believed fully could be used to convince. Hmm. Maybe like extremely good actor who's all the way in their belief would be able to transmit an experiential telepathy in a way that is also a lie. But let's just say, for example, you can't. If telepathy and mental telepathy and that level of connection is existent, then it's impossible to lie. And so deception doesn't um, have a place. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have a light-dark reality and you're all light beings, you have to have lies and deception in order to play along because without it, it's impossible. Right. And so a reality that has fully turned on mental telepathy and lies cannot coexist. Right. Because they're incompatible realities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do we bring about and uh, empower each reality? Some form of some split has to happen that we both agree on. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, we know what we have to do. Create the new paradigm. No, we need to embody it. Right, embody the new paradigm. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And then we create new experiences together. That match that. That match that embodiment. Embodiment. Yeah. And conversely, the light darks do exactly the same. Embody that. Yep. Continue to lie and buy a, their lie and don't dig too hard at it. Mm-hmm. And go along with where it leads you. Where fear leads you. Right. And generally speaking, that should be... A, fantastical catastrophe of some form. What I think individuals might be interested in is finding out whether these so-called magnificent, big, huge catastrophes and resets will affect them even though they chose the light light paradigm and not the light-dark paradigm. And if not, then how come? Speaking of which, not uh, just today I was looking and 10,000 years ago, where we're living right now, was covered by a mile thick of ice. But it wasn't a uniformly covered. There were patches of ground that weren't, mm-hmm. and that stayed not covered. And there were still whales and fish, and there was still food. When you go up to Alaska, what do you have? Further north you get, massivist piles of food, you know, crabs and halibut and salmon and the giantest schools of fish that exist. Mm. For some reason, fish and ice like together. I don't know. Crabs do. (laughs) Russia, totally filled with fish. Giant piles and piles of fish. Canada, the northern latitudes of Canada, the iceberg alley where, you know, the Titanic and all that was at. Uh That's where the largest cod grounds on the planet are. 
by the cold and the ice. And the, I don't know why, but that's the way it works, huh? Mm-hmm. So where I was going was 10,000 years-ish ago, thereabout, the villages to the north of us had an oral history that they have been here through and before and after that. And they lived in a spot, a strip of land that was clear of ice. And it had been clear of ice and stayed clear of ice through the entire time. And it was an oral story. It's like, a macaw, we've been here since time immemorial. Mm-hmm. But an oral story, it's a little bit like, so you say, but where's the proof? Mm. That's the paradigm we live in. The story is it isn't valid unless there's a physical evidence we can find to show it's true. Mm-hmm. Because we've been taught in modern teaching is that stories passed over time change and they no longer reflect truth. Right. I remember sitting in a circle with all of my friends, not friends, all the classmates going to do the telephone thing where oh, one person whisper. whispers in one yeah, ear and then it goes all the way around <laughs> to prove to everyone that nothing you hear is real anymore. Yeah. Just what's written. Right. Right? Yeah. That was like hammered into your head yeah. and then demonstrated and then proven. And then here, read this. This didn't change. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good trick, invalidating, right? Invalidating, yeah, invalidating. Invalidating the stories. Yeah. So, long story short, north of us up here, one of the tribes said, yes, we lived here forever and they sent the archaeologists digging and the they dug down and they found, oh, shit, looks like there's fires and hooks and fish and bones and whales and everything down here from when there's supposed to be ice everywhere. And look, it's the same people been here for 10,000 years. So the story was true. Yeah. It was accurate, despite what you might guess and not believe. Mm. And, uh, well, of course, it alters the narrative. Because the narrative that we've told, you know, that's frozen ice, and then you walked along the ice and you got down here. Mm-hmm. But the, all the native tribes all say the same thing. It's like, we have boats. Mm-hmm. Why would you walk? <laughs> <laughs> There's no point in walking. The food's in the water. Yeah. And you can go a long ways. And you have a sail. And you don't need to walk. Plus you carry a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah, they've been using boats for a long time. Ever since there's been trees, there have been boats. And probably before there was trees, there was boats. Yeah, maybe. Remember, I saw the reed ones. Yeah. Point being is that um, the written history, the written history that's approved is the history that gets written. And the approvers are the ones who decide what it is that you believe. And that when we go through a split, it appears that a lot of data comes available and it sort of shakes everything to the core then it becomes the choice of the experiencers which reality they're going to follow, right? Mm -hmm. So in the case of that tribe, they followed the, well, we're going to stay here and do what we've been doing. Things aren't going to change. We're going to keep the same Mm -hmm. life. And uh, pretty much that's carried and followed through as true all the way up through till now. They basically have the same spot of land they live on. They basically eat the same thing, except for what happens in Walmart. I get mm, that too now. Right. <laughs> but I don't know if you noticed. The lifestyle is very similar, but it's just the accoutrements are a bit different. So when uh, tribal people go shopping, you know, a cart comes back pretty damn full. <laughs> <laughs> and when you go car shopping and your car dies, you don't, like, take it to the 
I don't know, where do people usually take their cars when they die? Good they don't just park them on their ground. No. <laughs> they, they go away somewhere. Right, right. I think I saw a collection of them downtown, junkyard or something. <laughs> yeah, the junkyard. Yeah, well, in the, on the res, you know, you just keep your car, and if it dies, you just put it over there, and then if you need a piece, it's there. Right. If you don't need a piece, well, you know, you can put stuff in there to keep it from getting wet. <laughs> or chicken coop. <laughs> or chicken coop or whatever. And uh, sure, over time, you know, a lot of our tribal people go to schools off the res and go to paradigms that are completely and utterly different, and then they bring that back. Yeah, they do. And so the... Or if they never come back, they don't come or back. Or they don't come back, yeah. yeah. But, but after some time... Cars end up at junkyards instead of in the yard. Yeah. They bring those values, different ones, back. But it's an evolving and not a static civilization in the first place. So, mm -hmm. I think that their experience of the split was benign. They mm -hmm. just had uh, embodied the life that they lived, and they just kept doing it. And the ice didn't go there. They went everywhere around them, but not where they were. And they ate just fine. They had fires, and they cooked on their fires, and they smoked their fish, and they told their stories and did their dances. So similarly, uh, you know, some places are going to be a mile under ice. Lit not literally, but maybe, I don't know. Probably not literally. And other places are going to be just fine, the same as before. Yeah. It'll be the decision of the people who are living it. So when you ask, what is it going to be like? What is the catastrophe thing? It's like, that's the light, dark choice. What are they going to be going for? It looks like they love um, pandemics. That's their favorite. At the moment. <laughs> yeah, and they're really, really, really scared of nuclears. Yeah. Nuclears are terrifying. And aliens, we've been building onto the alien war thing for quite a while. Mm -hmm. If you're wondering what might happen, all you got to do is look at what movies have been extremely popular and what video games have been extremely popular we had the a weird flirtation with zombies for a very long time remember? <laughs> oh my god i was thinking about zombies last night yeah it's like you know zombies why are there all the movies about zombies so many and tv shows about zombies and the zombies here and zombies there and that always happened the same way yeah they always want there's to there's a plague and they have a yeah. cure for it and the cure creates the zombies yeah and then the zombies go around killing everybody trying to eat their heads They're trying to eat their brains you know it's like over and over and over what is that about it's like jeez <laughs> louise <laughs> not that interesting they did but manage they... to make a zombie show that we actually watched for a little while. Remember the girl was oh solving God, crimes yeah. by having so a brain eating shake. Eating the brain. <laughs> and when she had a brain shake, she would figure out what happened and then yeah. she'll remember. She, the brain contained the memories, apparently. And she would remember what happened to the victim. Yeah. So it was like a light version of a zombie I show. Know. Oh it my was God. Just That's so terrible. Bad. So bad. So, yeah, but. So the whole zombie thing has been going on for a while. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, what is it to translate into in reality? Well, the, the narrative is clearly the same as the pandemic story. It's, it's just the zombies are not actually brain eaters, but the brains are, you know, affected. The zombies were created the same way the narrative said. 
the narrative says it the same way every time. It's the shot. Mm. That creates that experience. The cure is the actual problem. The problem was maybe bad or maybe not, but the cure is definitely the problem. Don't they? That's the story. That's the same game. I mean, then you go to the middle of it, and if you destroy the lab where the stuff is, then everybody like snaps out of it somehow. Mm-hmm. Or you just have to chop off their heads or something. <laughs> just don't get bit by them. Don't get infected by them, which, you know, you could look at that and say, yeah, kind of been experiencing a little bit of spikes. <laughs> the spikes are getting to you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the problem with this is that the story isn't rooted in um, what we would call truth for a high-frequency light paradigm individual. It's rooted in a storyline that a light-dark paradigm creator is recruiting for. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, they recruit. They're recruiting for... um, members of that reality. Yeah. Victim-aggressor reality. <laughs> right. And as... Or other sphere-based society, all that type of stuff. Right. And despite all of our efforts as light beings to create light paradigm, we have to acknowledge that we've spent thousands of lives probably flirting and playing and doing light-dark realities. Yeah. So it's interesting watching it uh, deconstruct. Mm. But it's also important probably to spend at least as much time on the construction side of the light paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. At least as much, probably more. Probably more. <laughs> probably more. So, you know, <laughs> watching it burn down is interesting, but more interesting should be uh, the life that you're creating on that little strip of land that the ice is all around that it doesn't even get to? Kind of? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're at the very beginning of, even though it feels like probably in some ways we're well into split, it feels like just the groundwork is set. And the actual splitting is still coming, you know. It's like the big guns haven't come out, not even close. And um, what would be the light workers' big guns? Do you think? Well, the light workers' big guns would be the places where the ice doesn't go. And inside yourself, right? The ice doesn't go into you. You do not get engaged in those low-frequency games and fear and stuff like that. And One of the things is like a little bit woo-woo, but if you don't subscribe to those light dark paradigm narratives, Mm -hmm. and if you do know that you as a light worker came here to embody the the new paradigm, the high frequency paradigm, express your inner energy, which is extremely high frequency. If you know this and do it every day, your life transforms and becomes filled with ease, support, and it feels like the entire paradigm supports you in that. Yeah, it you does. Know? It does. Even the light-dark paradigm cho- choosers support you in becoming just light. <laughs> yes. It's really incredible. It's incredible. It's, and it's filled with ease. It's not, there's no disaster involved. There's no, no loss no. or anything. It's just 
it a feels continuation of and an choices. expansion of your light paradigm choices. Really. Yeah. It's just yeah. life gets and stays and becomes more and more and more and more and more and more. Yeah. Light. Yeah. Right. And then you start seeing people and seeing things and seeing opportunities and seeing friends and seeing tools that really support you. Quite yeah. deeply support you. Yeah. So I think some of the keys are, some of the keys to the kingdom are your imagination, of course, but also uh, access to and contact with um, the worldview that comes from outside of the fog that we're in, mm -hmm. that helps it stay present. Right. Because the reality we enjoy is a bit like a foggy and the fogginess allows it to exist without it then we would uh in a sense know too much to play the game it wouldn't be an engaging mm -hmm. but it's also within the fog kind of hard to alter the fog because everything is made of the fog mm -hmm. so things like a meditation practice probably help Settle some of the fog's uh, noise, I guess it's ampli amplitude. Although, obviously, since we have tons of history of 40-year, uh, 50-year meditators who are sexual predators and <laughs> insane and crazy, it's not, a, and it's not an answer in any way. No, but... It doesn't relieve you from it, being led down the wrong path in any stretch. Or to make the wrong choices for yourself, doesn't right? stop you from making those choices, yeah. which are light-dark. Mm -hmm. So meditation mm, supports you, supports you your in choice. the choice you're <laughs> yeah. making. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. So yeah. if you are a light being, picking light paradigm, meditation should enable you to like, allow the fog to settle and connect with your high-frequency reel. Yes. Conversely, obviously, it's not going to do that for a dark being or a light dark. It's going to make the fog drop a little so you can like become better at your light dark game. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or give your authority. <laughs> or give away them to, bigger to the gods and bigger reality, bigger come. reason for yeah. being or uh, knowing instead of a thinking. So it's going to support you, but don't think that it's going to make the decision right. for you. And the same with our uh, story with the aliens and the alien abduction, which isn't abduction, the uh, visits. You know, it's time spent outside the fog reel is also time where you can have a look at your worldview or experience it, hold it for a minute, bring it back with you. And in the fog, you're, you're like, all of a sudden you're done exercising, your muscles are really strong. You feel clearer for a while. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So those are kind of interesting things to explore. The worldview, I think, is one of the keys. It's like that uh, the world is this, that, and the other. The worldview, nature, and Gaia are this, that, and the other. The worldview, a house is square and this tall and this shapes and this angles and it's this way. And the worldview, you uh, get born. Your parents raise you, just two of them. You have some aunts and uncles. You go to school. 
from the earliest you can because the earlier you go to school, the smarter you're going to be and the better mm -hmm. job you're going to have, et cetera, et cetera. So these worldview concepts that, you know, solidify the real we're experiencing are nothing more than that. They're concepts of worldview, yeah. concepts, concepts. So if we begin looking at other worldview concepts, that helps too because we realize the one we have isn't actually the only or the solid or the real it is the one we've agreed to yeah it broadens your perspective doesn't it an awareness it allows you to imagine differently mm -hmm. like marriage even mm -hmm. we're watching the bridgertons oh yeah right? and that's the juxtaposition the shift from marriage being a contract of finances to love right? yeah <laughs> Yeah, and that's exactly when it happened to historically, allegedly, allegedly in the hundreds, yeah. Right, so we apply a meaning to marriage that wasn't applied before, and uh, well, I know I remember reading a book, Love, Sex, no, not Love, Sex, and Love and Sex and the New Paradigm, that was one you wrote. Love, Sex, and Relationships. Love, Sex, and Relationships. Yeah, the New Paradigm. It was Eat, Pray, Love, I think. Oh. Her follow-up book, which was exploring marriage throughout the world mm -hmm. and her surprise and utter utter shock at finding out it's completely and radically different in other yeah. places yeah. and it has no basis whatsoever in what she thought it did for where she grew up right so it was pretty cool that introduction to oh so also through time it's so radically different the yeah. entire worldview so i was reading a book um, about the kinship worldview which is introducing some of the concepts that I think 30 different tribes held and had a different worldview. And the worldview they held, they were kind of sharing this is how the world works and how it functions and why it's the way it is and, you know, this is the world. Mm. So exploring 30 views like that, it's just starting. I just started the book. We'll see where it leads. But so far it's interesting because it is not always, but in many ways, different, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, one of the fundamental ones, the earth, the planet, the trees, the fish, all that stuff are sentient and exist and communicate and all of that. And that we all are provided in abundance. That this is a planet of abundance. And oh, all of your needs are here. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> and it's not that you have to fight and scratch and claw and kill pay everything the, that's here and dig it up the and then plant other things there in order yeah. to survive, you know? Yeah. That everything you need to survive has been provided. Mm -hmm. You only need to laugh and sing and dance and be in joy and then go over there and pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> but we are raised now with the fear that if we haven't got a big pile saved up, we're going to die. Yeah. Or we don't have money, we're going to die. Yeah. Or we don't have a store open, we're going to die. Or all mm -hmm. of these things. We have a amplification of we're going to die. <laughs> lack. Yes. Right. Yes, a false lack paradigm. Yeah. False lack. False lack paradigm. Yeah. Which is as real as it gets when you're in it. Yes. It's it doesn't get any more real than that than yeah. when you're in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. As we talk about this, thing, it's kind of like exploring and remember there's more than one real. Yes. There's more than many, one many real, reals. And the real where people are victims and fall for this narratives is a choice that you haven't made you have made a different choice and that's Stick all to it. your choice Stick to it your choice, Stick to your choice is better according to me me too 
but it's not better <laughs> according to someone who wants to have that other experience. That other experience. Yeah. It's actually worse. Right. Yeah. So have your reel mm-hmm. and share it with the ones who want to have your reel. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Later. Okay. Let's Let talk about it more later. Okay. <laughs> I love Let you, honey. Die.